0: Welcome to the podcast, Leading Change. I'm your host, Adam Christie. Today, we are very blessed to have a personal stylist and image strategy expert, which I'm kind of nervous about because I don't know if I'm going to get judged uh, on my dress, but I think we're going to work past it. Please join me in welcoming... Our guest who can be reached at Personalstyling.com. M-I-K-A-D-O, PersonalStyling.com. Personal Please join me in welcoming Miss Jordan Stolch. Jordan, thanks so much for joining us today.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Adam. And I just want to start off by saying you look fantastic. <laughs> I'm so impressed with, this, with the shirt and tie.
0: I don't think you can go wrong with a white shirt and black tie. I just You
1: absolutely cannot.
0: Jordan, how would you describe what it is you do to listeners who might not be familiar with your work?
1: Yeah, great. I think a lot of people aren't really familiar with this kind of work, so I'd love to explain it Explain it briefly. Um, I work with people who are predominantly in a corporate field, and they are looking to elevate their image. They know that they need to show up looking a certain way for the type of work that they do, but they aren't exactly sure how to get there. So I help them work on whatever their message is and then finding the clothes that articulate that message and help them feel more confident in their job so that they can attract more clients and they can feel stronger about the performance that they do every day.
0: So is it just clothes or is it more than just clothes?
1: It's mostly just clothes. I have a division in my company that works on makeup and speaking and other outwardly facing qualities but we're predominantly focused on clothing.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Uh, Do your friends go to you for fashion Mm -hmm. advice? Is that what they're like Cheat? Like if I had a friend who was a psychologist, I might tell them all my problems. Do they go to you for um, fashion advice?
1: Yeah, they do. Um, What I like to say that differentiates me from a lot of other people that work in the fashion industry is that I don't really care too much about fashion and trends. So a lot of people will come to me with those questions, but I can't always answer them. What I really care about is just finding the clothes that help people feel amazing so that they can project themselves in a more confident way. Like, for example, today you have on that shirt and tie, and I would imagine that helps you feel ready to do this episode. You know, you've got your game outfit on. I just like helping people find those clothes so I'm not always the best resource for telling my friends what's in style.
0: But you know, it would be a good way to get on to buy lunch for you. You'd be like, I'll tell you that's why you should true. wear that shirt if you buy me lunch. That's a good one. <laughs> um, so what would you say is your definition of a leader?
1: I think a leader is somebody who inspires everybody that's around them. So they are the person that when you look to them, you just feel like, I'm ready. I'm doing this because they are the most dedicated, the most passionate, the most committed to what they're doing, whether it's in you know a small company like mine, or whether it's in a large-scale corporation like a lot of my clients work in. The people that are really able to facilitate strong leadership are the ones that you truly believe are the most invested in the work that's
0: being done. You talked about how you said that it is a feeling of from them that they are invested. Yeah. What happens um, when you feel like your leaders are not as invested as you are?
1: I think it drives or it lacks the motivation. So let's say in my own business, I lead several young women below me. If I was not invested in the work that we're doing, why would I think that they would be able to be led to be invested in the work that we're doing. So I think we show by example or we lead by example. And when we see other people demonstrating the behavior that's really required to step up to the plate, I think it just naturally drives us to step up to the plate as well. But when somebody is not invested, it questions, why are we doing the work we're doing? If that makes sense.
0: What what would you say makes you tick as a leader?
1: I think. What makes me tick is motivation is one. So motivating the people around me, getting them inspired to be part of it, and then really driving change for our clients. So it might be different in different types of businesses, but in ours, we're really trying to create change for the people that we work with. So when I can get my entire team to be motivated to make that change, to help them facilitate new opportunities for the clients that we work with that really makes me tick i feel so energized by that because not only are we creating strong outcomes for our clients but the people that work on my team get to feel like they were a part of something that's life-altering so that's everything for me that's why i do the work that i do
0: so this morning we had a coach on that we interviewed and it was interesting hearing him talk about his teams and whatnot what does your team look like?
1: Mine is a small team. Um, it's, it's a fully female team. Um, it's women that have been with me for quite a while and that are just really invested in creating change. So exactly what we were just talking about, creating change for the people that we work with. So as I said before, um, we're not really a fashion company as much as we are like a confidence boosting company. Everybody that works with me has that mindset. So they're working to create positive change for the clients that we, for the clients that we have. And so they're just by nature, really, really positive, strong, forward-thinking mindset people.
0: How do you go about um, finding someone to be on your team? What are things you look for?
1: I have found that finding people to be on my team is one of the more challenging parts of my job. Um, Because I think this type of mindset that we're talking about, it's pretty unique. Now, in my field, a lot of people will come or will apply for a job because they think it's the quote-unquote fashion industry. So they're imagining like a very glamorous lifestyle that it's just not. But they're imagining like something they've seen in a movie, I think. And really what we're doing is we're working with people on such a deep level to get into where all their insecurities are and help them boost their confidence and morale. So that requires a very certain type of person. So what I look for right away is somebody who comes in with that positive attitude or energy. And I know that energy is a word that's used a little loosely, but I think, have you been around it before? Like around a person who just emanates that kind of energy that's almost infectious, that you just want to be with them. Yeah. I look for that way before experience, because I think in my industry, you can have worked with celebrities, you can have worked on movies, on music videos, whatever that might be. And you might be a great stylist. You might really understand fashion and trends, but do you understand how to work with other people? So do you understand how to make people feel really safe? The type of work we do is involving people's bodies. It's the clothing that goes on their bodies, it's talking about like what makes them feel really insecure and how do we get to a place that makes them feel more secure. So somebody that gives off the energy that creates a really safe space is always the type of person that I'm going to hire. And that's just rare. I think I don't, it's not something you can really teach. It's just something that's innate in certain people.
0: Are all of your team members people, 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 person, people, persons? Yeah. Uh,
1: Uh, Yeah, (laughs) I know what you're trying to ask. And yes, they are. But I would say when you think about people, persons, however you word that, you might think somebody that's really outgoing. And I would say for the most part, they're not. They're people that are cognizant of the way their personality lands on different people and they can adjust accordingly. So, you know, some people, some women, let's say, especially if they're working with a stylist, they're going to be, might be very insecure. They might be quite guarded. So that requires a person to adjust their personality in a certain way. Now, another person might be much more outgoing, more comfortable with their body. So we can adjust the conversation a little bit that way. So there's a really strong need to be able to touch on what kind of person am I working with and how do I show up for them in the best way possible that makes them feel really comfortable.
0: So you are trying to get people while you are tapping into people's vulnerability, um, how would you say that, what are some steps that you think or keys you think are important to um, accessing that vulnerability to getting people to be vulnerable with you?
1: Loves this question. Um, The first thing is just listening. So I think a big mistake that a lot of people make, especially in sales or something that's client facing, is that right off the bat, they're trying to prove who they are, their expertise. Um, They might be trying to sell something to allow somebody to be really vulnerable. I found it just requires showing up and allowing them to be who they are. So listening for, you know, what brought them here? That's usually one of my first questions. What brought you to a place that you wanted to address something like this? And then just letting that story go from there. Because when somebody's able to talk about themselves, they instantly feel more comfortable. You know, everybody's favorite thing to talk about is themselves. It doesn't make them superficial. It's just like we are our number one person. So, of course, we love to talk about ourselves. And when we can create that connection with somebody where they can really tell that we're listening and we allow them the space to talk as much as they need about where they are in life, what their struggles are, what their challenges are. I guarantee almost 99.9% of the time, they're going to walk away having told you their life story. At the end of my first consultation with a client, they will almost always tell me this felt like a therapy session because for the most part, I'm not talking. I just, I don't sell anything. I just let them speak. I let them say what's real for them. And then, you know, that safe environment has been created.
0: One of the things that you said that I was just fascinated with is that one thing that everybody's favorite thing to talk about is Mm themselves? I I was just kind of amazed by that. Um, When did you realize that?
1: I think I've always kind of known it. I'm a very introverted person. So I'm actually kind of uncomfortable talking about myself. So what I've always been able to use in a social setting, a skill that I've always been able to use, is deflection. Um, So when I'm uncomfortable, but don't want to come across as somebody who's shy, I just put a question back onto the other person, and it will naturally get them to keep talking and hold the conversation. And so learning this, at a very young age, I think, when I was much more shy and inhibited, um, and then carrying it through into adult life, I really started to realize like, People love to talk about themselves, and not again. It's not in a superficial way. It's just that we are our world. So if somebody is asking you, Adam, tell me about your life. Like, who are you? Where do you come from? You know, whatever it is that drives your story. Immediately, you feel like, oh man, wow, this person's really interested in me. Like, yeah, I want to talk about that. And when we walk away from that interaction, chances are you're going to say to yourself, that was one of the best conversations I've had. But in actuality, it wasn't so much of a conversation. It was you just having a space to share who you are. People naturally love to share who they are. And so giving them that space allows them to develop that trust and that bond with you. And they're really going to open up.
0: I think there is a limit to that um, (laughs) in the sense that sometimes it feels like, and I'm not talking about interviewing or anything like we're doing right now, but sometimes when you're talking with somebody, you know, you don't, I feel a little bit, uh, I'm like you. I do not like to share a lot about myself, yeah. but if I feel like I'm the only one that's trying to get to know them, it'll mm-hmm. shut very quickly. Cause I just, yeah. I can't, I can't do that for very long. Do you find that mm-hmm. as well?
1: I do find that. And I think maybe you and I have a similar personality in that way. So we'll catch on to it much quicker. I will tell you that most people don't. So for majority of people, they are pretty comfortable, especially when it's not designed to sound like an interview. So the question needs to come naturally. And I'm not trying to position this as a trick or a manipulation or anything like that. But if I'm just generally, you know, genuinely showing you interest in your life and I'm asking you to open up, a lot of people feel really comfortable doing that because oftentimes other people are not asking them. Other people are so focused on telling their story that maybe they haven't had the opportunity to do so. So, you know, if it's somebody like you and I, who maybe feel a little bit more uncomfortable sharing about our lives, then the conversation may go back and forth a little bit. But I've still found with the clients that I work for, that creating the space where I'm just genuinely listening to them and allowing them to talk about their life is always the best way to create the safety for them and allow them to be vulnerable and talk about the things that are are struggles for them with their body or their image, their clothing, whatever it might be.
0: Often as leaders, we have these really challenging times and those reveal our leadership. They reveal um, our finest moments. What Mm -hmm. would you say has been your finest moment as a leader?
1: I think finest moment or most proud moment for me is watching the careers of the people who have worked under me, watching what they've created for themselves. So I have several women, young women who have worked for me, who have gone on to create phenomenal businesses of their own outside of my business. And I take so much pride in that because I know that a lot of what they learned working with me is what allowed them to create their business. Um, Many young women who have come to work in my company have come from places that weren't a fit for them, have come working in environments that didn't facilitate growth. And I've always believed in fostering this sense of entrepreneurship in women, um, in growth and development. So for me, the finest sense of leadership has come watching these women go on to create their own businesses and to be wildly successful. I have a, a young woman who worked for me for, I think it was the last six years. And two years ago, she started her business. She's under the age of 30. And within a year, she was already doing over $100,000. She was the only person in her company, but she was so young and so successful instantly. And I just took so much pride in that because she was able to take what we had learned together and then adopt it to make it her own.
0: I think as an artist, um, because I teach music and, and try to shape music with young people and whatnot. I think that everybody can be, uh, all artists are OCD about something. Um, It usually pertains to their art. They may not be the cleanest people in the world or whatever, but they are OCD when it comes to certain things about their art. What would you say are you OCD about? Oh
1: my God, everything. <laughs> 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 so... The one quality that will not work for me in an employee is somebody that's not really, really organized mm. to the to, you know, to that OCD level. So for me, it's every touch point of my business. I want, I don't care if my business went down to one person working in it or if it had 500 people working in it. Every touch point of my business needs to be immaculate. And that means every person working in it needs to embody that organization. And that looks like, you know, from the woman in our office who answers the emails down to, you know, the wording that she uses, whether it's the first moment you've gone onto our website to experience something there, the wording of your contract, whatever the touch point is, I want it to be so clean, just like the artist and his music. I'm so passionate about what we do that I Expect perfection across the board on every touch point.
0: What is a movie that you've looked to for inspiration concerning leadership that you would advise other people to look at?
1: So I love this question and it's The Blind Side. Have you watched that movie?
0: I have. It's been a while, though. A lot of
1: people give me flack on this movie choice and I stand true that this is a fantastic movie. (laughs) (laughs) For some reason, other people don't agree with me. Um, I think it's because what Sandra Bullock embodies in that movie is the same belief that I very strongly hold in leadership, which is that you need to play to the unique person, not to the company as a whole. So what she understands in that film is that, do you remember what the, the premise of the film?
0: Oh, see, now you're, now you're really getting at me. It's been a while since I've seen it.
1: She, adop- she adopts a son and he's like a football protege. And he's being drafted to different NFL teams and everyone from the NFL is trying to mold him to be like all the other players. They're trying to get him to be really aggressive and, you know, like whatever you would call that in football. I don't do sports very well, but, you know, just have that aggressive nature. He doesn't have that in him because of his upbringing. And she can recognize in him the way that she needs to work with him to get him to work well on a team. Why I love that is because I think what's so important in building leadership and in building a team is that each person is going to bring a unique skill set to the table and that's what that person should be focusing on. So, you know, you might be really strong in something, but really weak in something else. If I try to push you to do the thing that you're weak in, not only will it take you exponentially longer to complete that task, but you're going to hate doing it. So, you know, you're not really an asset to the team. What I think a very strong leader does and what she does in that film is that they can pull out of you what your strength is. So my strength, for example, is talking to people. I love talking to people. My weakness is writing. I hate writing. Even though I'm good at it, I I hate writing. It takes me forever to do it. So I think a strong leader could identify this person is great at communication. Let's put her in that role and have her build the team up that way rather than Pushing her to fit into a box she doesn't belong in, and I, that's what that movie is to me. Regardless of what other people say, I think it's fantastic.
0: Well, you tell those other people to kick rocks because you can like whatever movie you want.
1: Yes. <laughs>
0: what would you say is the biggest leadership myth that you've heard?
1: I think the biggest leadership myth is that it needs to—you need to operate from a place of fear or domination or making people feel small. And I see this often in other businesses. Often it's the people that the people that I employ, it's the places they've come from before. And I just, I don't believe it works. I believe it works in the short term. I don't believe it works in the long term. So I feel there's this belief that if I'm the leader, somebody might think, They need to know their place, or I need to scare them into producing results, or I need to pin them against one one another so that they perform better. And I just don't believe that that generates the type of mindset or the morale that I necessarily would want in my business. I don't think it's what motivates people to really want to be a part of your team. It might in the short term, and I think we see this often, especially if somebody is really in need of a job. I might stay with that company, even if I don't enjoy that experience because I need to work there or I need to work. But what really motivates people to do good work and to stay with you, to be invested in your team is when you're a positive leader, when you encourage them, when you motivate them, when you build them up, when you make them feel good, when you give them responsibility. So I think that myth about needing to be dominant or needing to be, you know, more negative, making them feel bad, uh, punishing them. I don't feel like that fosters success.
0: What would you say is a risk that you've taken in leadership that turned out either good or bad, but it turned out to be a pretty substantial risk you had to take?
1: Mm, Substantial risk has been in the last couple of months of COVID, hiring new people to my team. So at the start of COVID, I did have to let go of people. And a risk in the last few months is expanding. We have introduced a new wing of our business, which is a virtual component, which we never offered before. And it's grown really rapidly. And because of that, I needed to hire a lot more people than I could necessarily afford at the time. Um, But I think being so committed to my business and to the work that we're doing, it just had to work out. And so from a leadership perspective, I needed to instill the belief in my team that we were going to generate the financial resources needed to be able to take take care of the entire team and to keep expanding. And we've been able to do that, luckily. So that risk has paid off. Hopefully, we will continue to keep adding to the team as time goes on and building up this virtual division of the business.
0: Are you friends with any of your teammates or or would you say they're strictly you try to keep that? as a team that you're somewhat distanced from?
1: I'm trying to keep it as a team. So I, I think I have made that error in the past when I was first starting that there would become people on my team that would almost be a bit too close. And it just makes that boundary very fuzzy. So, you know, several years in now, I've tried to maintain separation there. Now, I will say that there's, there's inevitably crossover, especially because we are a small team. So there's crossover in that I know the life of the people that work for me. I try not to let them too far into my life. I try to keep that separation there. So I'm always there to provide support for them. I don't feel too comfortable allowing them to be too close to my own life to be able to keep some separation.
0: Does that include drinks like wine and stuff? Can you drink wine with teammates without diving in?
1: I don't know. I... (laughs) i definitely have and you know we will i think in more of a celebratory situation Mm. i think maybe if you know as i said we have launched this new division of our business and it's really succeeding so we did have a celebration dinner for that we would do something for the holidays like maybe in that kind of capacity what doesn't work for me is like the friday night happy hour type situation something like that it I'm more than happy for the team to go and me not to be a part of it. Um, I think it just creates, I don't know, a, a fuzzy boundary, I guess. It's, it becomes a little more challenging to separate them. What's work and what's not work.
0: As we wrap up, what would you say is your encouragement or advice for our listening leaders today?
1: My advice to your leaders is to grow from a place of positivity. So I think, A positive energy, positive energy is infectious, both to yourself and to the people on your team. And that can often sound oversimplified. It can sound too easy, but I really don't believe that it is. So when I operate from a place of positivity, I know deep within my core that whatever I want to create is possible because I'm operating from a place of believing that the world looks positive around me. When I operate from that place, my team also operates from that place because they're not scared. They feel from me that positive energy emanating off of me and they are lifted as well. I think when we operate from the negativity, from the place of scarcity or a lack of mindset, we pull everything down. We pull ourselves down and we pull everyone down around us. But when we can come from that place of being positive, forward-thinking, believing that growth is possible, we make it possible. We find the solutions that we need to fix the problems that we may have.